Aretha Franklin. Welcome to the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm Patrick Bradley, your host. This is episode 16, and today is Wednesday, August 15th, 2018. Uh, the intro song is one of my favorites by Aretha Franklin. Uh, thought I would play that today. As a, there's a lot of news coming out um, that she is in hospice care and... Uh, you know, she looks to be passing away soon. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I've talked about it here and there, a musician. You know, I mean, I think most people just love music, though. I don't think you have to be a musician to appreciate Aretha Franklin. And, uh, you know, a lot of <clears throat> the last few years, you know, a lot of different musicians have died, some really great ones. Um you know, but there, there's no doubt that, like, Aretha Franklin is great. I mean, she's, you know, when you think of singers, I mean, she's in, she certainly uh, is reasonable to consider her the greatest, you know. Um, I, I really, really, really love Aretha Franklin. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty sad. You know, a lot of the, I mean, I really like, Prince and David Bowie and I can't remember the whole list of, you know, musicians, um, you know, but, uh, you know, she's 76 years old. She was, uh, she was born on, uh, March 25th, 1942 in Memphis, Tennessee. So she's only, uh, actually only a couple years older than my mom, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, she was out. Uh, I don't know. Where, I don't know if she had been performing or when when she stopped. But I mean, it wasn't too long ago. But anyway, you know, she's still here now. But apparently, it is looking like she is going to pass away soon. So I thought I would uh, start the podcast off with a song by her, and that particular one that don't don't play that song for me. Um, it's from some show in like 1970 and she's playing piano and singing, um, you know, solo for a while, then like kind of band and other singers come in later. <clears throat> but I mean, you just really see this 
like how great, how effortless is so natural, you know, playing and singing. And uh, I saw I was watching some other videos and stuff today of her and uh, <clears throat> there was one with her sitting with Smokey Robinson singing on piano. And um, I don't know, you know, I mean, I, there's a lot of music today that I do. Uh, I do like, you know, I'm a big hip hop fan and I've managed to uh, even at 41 years old um, still listening to a lot of new stuff that comes out. Um, I think there's like some interesting stuff musically. Certainly the whole electronic thing ha has really changed, um, you know, really changed things. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's, I think the, the amount of musicians today that can produce music you know, just sort of sitting down in in a in a scenario with with other people, you know, with friends or family or whatever, sort of just make it, you know, and 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 kind of like have that experience with them, you know, whether it's playing piano or singing or guitar. I mean, obviously, a piano and a guitar is still a piece of technology, um, but it's pretty, you know, low <laughs> low fi uh, and you know, now it's uh, a lot of people that are, you know, they the end products are really cool, you know, and, and, and you can do things, you know, I'm able to do things in well, my computer and logic and sample and, you know, I mean, I've made songs and sampled Aretha Franklin, you know, and, uh, you know, all stuff like that. I mean, you know, that wasn't even a thing, right? you know, in 1970, really. And, um, but I, you know, I, I, I think just that it's not without some cost is all, you know, is all I'm saying there. And, uh, you know, looking at those videos just sort of, uh, reminded me of it. And, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of players, you know, anymore. And, um, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I grew up, I was born in 77, you know, so I, I hit the kind of hip hop stuff pretty early. Um, but even, you know, like the early hip hop, I mean, there, you know, the rappers and stuff, at least, you know, like, like there was something about performing and being able to, you know, to rhyme and freestyle on the spot and, um, it, it still was something that I think interacted with, you know, kind of people around them, you know, re in real life, not through like an electronic medium a lot more. Um, but uh, and who knows, maybe maybe it's more than I think. And I'm just 41 years old and I'm kind of out of touch. Uh, that, that is possible. But um, anyway, you know, uh, much love. Uh Teresa Franklin, I have listened to her a whole, whole lot and been very, very inspired by her uh, for many years. Um, so I'll leave that at that. Uh, so as far as the podcast, it has now been more than a week. It's been, I think the other uh, time there was eight days between 
So I think we're at 10 days since my last podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, August 5th, because I remember I was looking around at the old CNN uh, Wayback Machine on August 5th at different years in the past. Um, so uh, don't, um, I don't, uh, I'm not going to do any of that today. I'm not feeling, uh, I'm feeling kind of somber, honestly. You know, I'm not feeling like my my normal fire, uh, you know, um, but a lot has happened and certainly things have happened not to be somber about uh, since the last podcast. <clears throat> I think, you know, the biggest thing and I did, if you follow me on Facebook, there's a Whistling in the Dark uh, podcast uh, Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter, Patrick J. Bradley. Um, but I did do a Facebook Live video as an experiment. Um, I'm not really sure how that went off, but I, I wanted to do something after uh, the Alex Jones Info War uh, sort of, you know, multi-platform banning. Uh, and so I did talk a lot about it there, but I do think that I should talk about it on the podcast. Now, at the time, I wanted to do it, you know, kind of timely because, I mean, he literally, you know, if you were looking on anywhere except for Twitter or Alex Jones' actual site or app or whatever, I mean, you you know, there, there wasn't anything there. There was, um, you know, some of the other people that do work with Alex Jones, like Millie Weaver and... Um, I think it's Paul Joseph Watson. Uh, you know, they were still on Facebook, and I believe they're still on YouTube. But that, I just, they weren't really uh, posting much about it. To me, at least, didn't see. I, I just can't imagine them talking about anything but that. And and I, I was surprised that they weren't just sort of immediately going live, talking about it, whatever. Um, so. I thought, well, you know, I got this little Facebook page with like 500 people following it. I, you know, might as well talk about it because I wanted to hear somebody talk about, you know, what was going on. So I figured I'd throw, you know, give it a spin. And um, so, you know, I, I mean, the things I said about it were, you know, uh, and uh, largely I think I feel the same way. Um, you know, number one, I mean, it, it was, I did not feel good. <laughs> Obviously I did not feel good about it. Um, it's a, it's a pretty odd feeling when, you know, some, something that you listen to or you consume is banned, you know, even though it's not banned by the government, um, to be taken off of these websites, you know, particularly Facebook is so ubiquitous. It's certainly in the United States. I'm I'm not sure, you know, elsewhere. Um, but you know that that is definitely a uh, a bummer, and you know it it definitely makes you feel even more isolated and sort of out of step with uh, you know the mainstream of life or society, uh, not necessarily mainstream media, but just people, you know? Um, 
and I didn't see many, almost anybody. I mean, the only people I saw post anything about it um, were people that are, you know, pretty wild, like conspiracy theory people uh, that I, I think I may have kind of only know through that kind of connection or, you know, um, but regular people didn't say boo. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how big of it, you know, honestly, how big of a news story it was. Um, so, you know, uh, I heard somebody bring up a kind of a counter. I think it was Stefan Molyneux. Uh, he was on his podcast was saying that, well, yes, you know, while certainly like a private company has the, you know, uh, can can take any, you know, they do not have to like publish your posts or whatever. Or, like the, you don't, you know, Facebook isn't required to give you an account because um, you don't have no right to have a Facebook account. But he he was making the point that um, you could be possibly they could possibly be opening themselves up to being considered having editorial control over. You know, Facebook or YouTube. And, and I guess let me stop just in case you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Uh, Alex Jones, who's a um, pretty extreme uh, conspiracy theorist that has turned uh, into a pretty strong Trump supporter, uh, has, um, you know, and thereby like really anti uh, Democrat. I mean, he was never, you know, a pro Democrat person. Um, but in the past, he was he was really strongly against Bush, and he, his big, you know, re very very strong against uh, or anti war guy for a long time, and um, very outspoken against like police state, police brutality type of stuff in the United States. Very very outspoken against like the spying and all you know all those types of things like Patriot Act. So you know from I when I first started listening to him. George W. Bush was in office, and then, you know, I've listened to him through Obama and to now. And so Trump is, a, you know, this, this time, uh, as far as, like, Alex Jones is concerned, is a big uh, change in that he's actually uh, in support of uh, the, the sitting president. Anyway, so that's that's him. And he's a big, you know, he's got some big time like conspiracy theory stuff. And, you know, from time to time, he's actually been proven right. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I have no idea what a level of accuracy uh, he has. He says some pretty outlandish stuff a lot. Um, but it's it's the kind of stuff that even if he's only right a small percentage of the time, that the things that he is correct about are normally kind of bombshell level things. Um, so to me, you know, I think it serves a, a, a good purpose. I mean, I, you know, I choose to listen to him. I do not listen to him, you know, religiously. Uh, but I, you know, I do listen to pieces of his, <clears throat> his show, uh, may, you know, maybe when, I mean, they're probably go, when I get sort of away from it, you know, maybe weeks could go by, but then I, I don't know, maybe on average, I'm listening to 
30 minutes a week. I, you know, I don't know, but I get a little bit of it. But when I do kind of ramp up is around like big events, like the Vegas shooting. Um, what else was there? Uh, the, the stuff around, um, there was some really big news around the Syria and that it looked like, you know, things might really come to a head when Trump was in office and war. And, and actually, you know, it was interesting. Alex Jones at that point was like really outspoken against what Trump was doing. Uh, I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, it, I guess it was, uh, you know, it, it, obviously the U.S. and Russia didn't go to war. So, you know, that stuff kind of backed down. I, I don't even remember the specifics of it. But um, but anyway, things like that. And then, and you know, not surprisingly, I've been listening to him a, a lot more lately since he got banned from everything. Um because I don't know, you know, it's just it feels, you know, now it feels like I'm like a patriot or something, you know, turning him on, download his app, just kind of listen in, see what's going on. And so um, anyway, he last Monday, uh, basically with, you know, within a, a short period of time, I mean, I thought I think it was like kind of late Sunday night in the Monday, you know, early Monday morning. Uh, most of Alex Jones' accounts were banned and you know removed from various social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Apple uh, Podcasts. He was removed from the you know I guess iTunes and um, Spotify got rid of him and uh, Stitcher. Radio, TuneIn Radio, to most of the big places he had podcasts, you know, all got rid of him, and um, you know, so it was it was very, it's a very odd kind of I, I mean, I've never seen anything, I you know, I've never heard of anything like this. I've never seen anything. I mean, I've heard of people getting banned, you know, people getting their accounts removed, whatever. But to have you know, I don't know, ten companies. You know, some gigantic corporations all at once. I mean, obviously, there, you know, there's some communication there or something. Uh, and, you know, they decided together to do that. Um, so, I, you know, and and anyway, so Stephen Molyneux's point was that, you, like, if, if the New York Times has an article published in it, somebody writes and, you know, it, it, uh, you know, you could bring a lawsuit if you said it was like defamation of character. Or I, you know, I don't even know what the right terms are, but um, because the New York Times maintains editorial control over that that publication, now Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, they don't uh, they don't like censor or whatever. I guess except for you know, it's supposed to be like illegal stuff. Or I guess these terms of service. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, so so you know they can claim they don't have editorial control, and therefore somebody makes a post that you claim is, you know, you, you could sue that person maybe possibly, uh, but you can't. 
you you wouldn't win against Facebook. Facebook had like you know they're sort of letting everything out there. I guess as long as it doesn't violate their terms of service. And so that's like the claim. At least some of them made that Alex Jones violated the terms of service. And it seems very very hard to believe that he violated you know ten companies' terms of service all in the same day. You know, and they do not, and they they're not you know they're not releasing any details or anything like that. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what the future holds. I mean, I, I do think that he could, you know, probably have a case. Uh, you know, I, I do think that it is probably incorrect to just say, oh, well, you know, Apple can do whatever they want because they're a private company. Well, those terms of service, are, you know, that is a con contract, right? I, and I think that, you know, the idea is that you can... You, you know, the contract is we will allow you to use our site as long as you don't violate these terms of service. And so if there's any way to show that, you know, he was removed um, for, you know, any other reason but that, I'm not saying it's is a winnable lawsuit or anything, Um yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's cost him a lot of a lot of money. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, like that's the idea. It's like you you make this contract and then you build a business on you know on this platform, but you do it because you have a contract that you believe that they will abide by as long as you don't that you don't violate the contract. So I mean, I I don't think it's as simple as just that. They're a private company. They can do whatever they want. Um, I, you know, you you have to. Uh, I mean, that's a part of the whole kind of libertarian thing is you know the non-aggression principle, uh, and then something that's probably you know maybe a little bit less sort of talked about, but it's contracts and you know the importance of them and you know that. That seems to be the thing in question here. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know the details of it. But, you know, I, I would think that if a person like Alex Jones with that level of popularity is able to be banned, then he brings no lawsuit and none of these companies are ever, like, pressed to actually explain the details like, you know, if you tell me I violated the terms of service, then you should tell me where, right? I mean, you're just, I have a contract and the contract says, you know, uh, with you, it says, oh, as long as you, you know, don't, I don't know, you know, whatever, walk, walk down this street, you know, our contract is valid. And then if you walk down the street, you know, it's invalid. And then, you know... You just say the contract's invalid. You walk down the street, but you never give me any proof, you know, that I that I did that. It's, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, if it's important to me and, and it, you know, I have a, you know, multi-million dollar business built around this contract, uh, I would probably go to court and say, hey, you know. You know, you you've got to like show. You know, you got to show how I violated this contract. So uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, I I know that he's he's sued people in the past. So I mean, I think he does have like a pretty active sort of legal uh, 
arm to his operation. Um, so, you know, may, maybe that is to come. Uh, and that would be interesting. And I, you know, I mean, they claim things like harassment. I, I, I was thinking sort of, you know, uh, so, you know, thinking about the Stefan Molyneux uh, idea of the editorial control. I mean, I think in order for that, you know, uh, you have to show that there is a bias, I would think, because, again, I don't think it's editorial control to enforce your terms of service, to enforce your contract. That's different as long as you're enforcing it, you know, unilaterally. Um, but I think that if you start to show that, oh, look, at these are all these people were banned and they're all sort of of a similar kind of political leaning or race or whatever. Uh, and then look at and then you probably would need to bring examples, counter examples of people that were not banned, but that leaned like uh, had a different political affiliation or race or whatever. Uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, but that's that seems to be leaning that way. It also would seem to support like the idea of maybe not just a simple, you know, violation of the terms of service. Um, so, you know, we will see uh, where that goes. Um, but, you know, I do think that it is quite all right to be a libertarian and to not be okay with all of these companies simultaneously banning you know, Alex Jones and Infowar from their platform, um, even even if it's not a contract violation or property rights or freedom of speech or whatever, it's still quite all right to not like something and to speak out against it and say, yo, we don't think this is cool. Like we uh, I'm not going, you know, that's the difference between the libertarian and, you know, most of the rest of the population of other political uh, affiliations or philosophies is that we don't want anybody to, to like put a gun to Mark Zuckerberg's head to force him, you know, to have Alex Jones back on there. But that doesn't mean, you know, we have all kinds of disagreement. You know, I had disagreement with a guy at work today, you know, no, no guns were drawn. We just talked about it. And, uh, you know, we didn't, Nobody's rights were violated. Nobody's property was violated. It was just strategy, you know, differing opinion. Um, so, you know, I think it's fine. You know, I mean, I, like to me, if if Facebook or Twitter or YouTube are like actually censoring with a political vi uh, bias, like, yeah, like I think that's terrible, you know, and I'm opposed to it and that's quite all right. I don't have any, there's no philosophical conflict inside of my head with that. Um, but these like ding dongs, you know, the, on the left are like, oh, yeah, see, now you want to like control the private companies. It's like, nah, man, I just like speaking my mind, you know, it's okay. It, it's okay. It is possible to not like something, but not be clamoring to have a, a law made to correct it. So we'll see where that goes. Um, 
What else happened with that? Oh, I did, you know, uh, actually, then, like, yesterday, apparently his website was, like, taken down, um, I guess, like, some sort of, like, hacker thing, like, DDoSing it or something. Uh, I actually wondered if that might have been a little, uh, you know, maybe whether or not that was true or not, or were they sort of just playing up? I mean, he was obviously banned from all these sites. That That's real, right? I mean, he did not... He did not do that himself, but he could have faked a, you know, DDoS attack. I, I wonder, because you could actually go to InfoWars and it just had links to other sites. I wasn't even technically sure how you would do that. It's your site's either down or it's up. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, what I, uh, I, I, you know, another issue with, um, it's a little, you know, a little bit more abstract or whatever. But, you know, another kind of issue that I have with this is, you know, it takes it takes some real crony capitalism to get Google to be as powerful as they are and to get Facebook to the level they are, you know, and Apple like this much dominance market dominance is um it's helped along by, you know, the regulations, the regulations that raise the barrier to, uh, of entry to their competitors and make it harder to compete. So the incumbents can keep growing larger and keep taking more and more market share. And it's harder and harder for the incumbents to get in. And, um, you know, I think that's very real. And I think that in a way, it kind of makes these huge corporations almost, you know, quasi-government entities because, you know, they're spending millions and millions of dollars lobbying to get legislation in. And then they also have a lot of their people literally in government, you know, the banks have been doing this for years. You know, the banks lobby, lobby, lobby for all this regulation that's supposed to protect the consumer, but it actually just protects giant banks. And then they also populate like the Treasury and other departments with, you know, their ex people or they, you know, there's just this flow back and forth from like Goldman Sachs in and out of Treasury Department or whatever. You know, so not only are they paying to make legislation, they also have people that are in there to like enforce it i mean you know it's uh it's it's bad news and you know the big tech companies are doing the same thing i mean i, I don't think they're quite as advanced in this game but they're definitely playing it you know go look and see you know what google x google exacts or back and forth you know goes between them you know i mean same tim cook is like <clears throat> buddy buddy with Barack Obama. I mean, do you, can you imagine the influence that that guy is able to wield on top of being, you know, the CEO of, of Apple? You know, so I, 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 I feel that that is a big part of the story is that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I mean, one is possibly a contract, contractual violation one way or the other. I mean, they're obviously claiming Alex Jones violated his contract. I think that you counter sue or whatever and say, well, you guys violate the contract. And um, but then I think this crony capitalism, I mean, it's not as like, uh, you know, immediate fix. 
attacking like the specific situation. It's more of just the general environment that is, you know, is needed to create, you know, uh, the conditions for this type of situation. So, you know, it's de- I, I thought it was definitely worth mentioning. And uh, one last thing about this I thought I would say is there are there are alternatives, um, particularly alternatives that are more Twitter-like. Um, but one is called Gab.ai. So Gab.ai... Uh, it has that frog Pepe thing. Um, so it may be that that's like its logo. So you, you know, you may wind up keeping it on the down low if you're part of that, because apparently that Pepe frog means that you're racist, you're a racist. Uh, so, you know, be careful, but whistling in the dark podcast is on there. I think I signed up as Whistling in the Dark. So if you're on there, go look for me. And um, I'll try to, to post on there more. And, um, you know, I would say out of the out of the different things that I've seen, uh, it's one of the more active. And, I you know, I think it's a little bit closer. You know, there's another one called steemit.com, S-T-E-E-M-I-T.com. I think it's like a cooler technology. I don't think there's anything special about Gab.ai's technology. Uh, but Steemit is actually built on uh, blockchain technology. I think that it's just a Steam token or Steam coin or something like that. But you can actually like trade it, buy it, hold it. Um, and I think that you can use it to sort of pay people in there. So, you know, instead of like liking something, I think you can actually kind of like tip a small amount. Um, I really like that. I really like the idea of directly paying content producers um, and Steemit also has uh, DTube. I, I believe it's the same people that made it. Um, I think I think the URL is d.tube. So DTube is like a YouTube clone type of thing. Well, I wouldn't say clone, but it is again, it's also built on this blockchain technology. Um, so I'm not really, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure that like if I make a post on steam it i'm not sure that anybody has the ability to delete it then uh i i could be wrong but you know i I mean that's kind of the idea of blockchain i mean unless they sort of build in a you know a follow-up way to do you know uh negative transactions or something um but anyway, uh, it's definitely something kind of interesting to check out. I mean, I think the crowd you're going to find on there is maybe a little bit less sort of political, more techy. Uh, another one is Mastodon.social. Now, uh, this this is a, a different sort of you know technology take as well. They use like federated servers, um, and just loosely that's similar to like how email works. Um, so, you know, like I can make an account at gmail.com and you make an account at yahoo.com, <clears throat> but we can message each other through our email, you know, whereas if I made an account at facebook.com and you make an account at twitter.com, right, I, like you can't message me directly in that way. Uh, and so I guess email is, is you know, built around a protocol or there's like maybe a couple of different 
ones, but you know, as you can basically just anybody can make a mail server. You know, like I've had other websites I built before that I had email addresses at, you know, and and I self-hosted them on you know on the server. Um, so you know, I didn't need anybody to do that. I just need to be able to like connect a, a server to the internet, um, and then it can send email and you know back and forth. Um, I don't know. It it doesn't excite me quite as much. I mean, I I mean, I feel like there's definite drawbacks to the way that stuff works. You know, I think having like a unified server allows for, um, you know, maybe some things that this federated uh, is going to be a little bit more complicated or maybe not as performant. Um, and it's also, you know, I mean, another thing is it's certainly not new technology, right? I mean, email is based around, uh, you know, this architecture. So, I mean, I think something, I'm not, and I'm not saying Steam is going to make it or e either, but I mean, it's, it's at least more interesting to me. Um, so what else do we have here? Um, you know, I had an article about the Alex Jones thing, and it was so annoying. Um, I was, like, on Engadget. You know, they were talking about um, giving all these uh, examples of racist. I remember it's like, yeah, it's racist, you know, saying racist stuff. And it was something about Muslim Muslims or whatever. And it's just like, how does that stuff fly with a normal person, you know? I, my assumption is they just aren't thinking. Um, I mean, nobody thinks a, a Muslim is a, a race, right? I mean, that's not... I don't know. Maybe some people do. But I, I wouldn't think the majority... I don't think your average person thinks that. But they somehow have enough cognitive dissonance to kind of conflate race and, and a religion and turn it into being racist. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what uh, I don't know what they're doing there. Um, so the NFL season is kicking back up, and I know I've got at least like one or two sports fans. Um, so this god awful topic is coming back into the media about NFL players kneeling during the national anthem. Um, I mean, maybe I'm just being a hypocrite by talking about it. I think it is one of the stupidest fucking stories that's out there. I mean, I, I just don't care. I mean, it doesn't bother me that they kneel one iota, you know? And then obviously... Being an anarchist, <laughs> uh, there's certain buttons that maybe I don't have installed that other people do. But, uh, you know, I've seen that, like, people are starting posting these stupid memes. And, you know, one was, I don't know, it's just like calling them, like, babies or, so, uh, you know, I remember seeing something like that today and, you know, by some fucking tough guy. And, uh, you know, it's like... Buddy, man, like they're like protesting like police brutality. Like 
having friends, you know, family or whatever, people in our communities, like, fucking murdered by police. police like, murdered by police and then police getting off with, like, nothing happening to them. Uh, and, you know, regardless, like, you know, I've talked about it in the past. I mean, I a previous episode where, you know, I do think that it's more complex than, you know, Huffington Post or CNN are going to let on. Um, but I also think that there's something there, you know. To me, the heart of the problem has to do with the war on drugs, and it's not really this racist police brutality. <clears throat> I think that the racist sort of police brutality or whatever is more of a symptom, you know, Um just like the, uh, you know, uh, 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 an inordinate amount of homicides in the United States are committed by African-American males. I think that's a, a symptom. You know, I don't think that's the problem. I think that's a symptom of the problem. And I think the problem is the war on drugs focused in their community and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of less well-versed in this, but I think also, like, welfare, you know, I think it's stuff, I think it's super racist. And I think, like, the welfare state, uh, you know, in the 20th century really, really destroyed the, the black, like, American family unit. Uh, and I think the result of that is a bunch of kids at a way higher rate than other races in the United States growing up in like single parent homes, you know, drug, you know, drug addict growing up with like drug addicted parents. Um, I mean, this, this stuff is happening at such a higher rate in, in particularly inner city African-American communities. And like, yeah, you know, you flip that around, you you let, you know, you you take like, I don't know, you know, 10,000 white people, 10,000 black people, and you sort of flip that and then look at the homicide rates. 10,000 is probably not enough because not that many people kill people. But you, you catch my drift, I think. Um, I, you know, you fucking figure out like, where, why that is the case, you know, and, you know, I think you look no further than like the CIA and then just some fucked up crazy legislation. And, you know, I don't and, and I don't believe that the end goal is to hurt, you know, black people. I, I don't believe that the motivate and, and I mean, obviously, I, I'm talking like conspiracy theory stuff now. You know what I mean? Like, that's just my opinion on it. Uh, but I don't think at its heart it is a racist thing. I think that it's basically inhuman and they are using race. They, they, they're, they, they, you know, it's like understanding human, you know, the human mind that if they tried to target, you know, Irish people, it's just harder, man. You just can't pick an out, you know, an Irish American 
out of a crowd of other, like, European Americans, you know? It would have to be all, you know, I, I mean, I think you got to go kind of like all white people or all Asian people or all black people. You know what I mean? Like you got to kind of target that in that way because then people can pick up on that and then they can like now you can assign this fear to it, you know, and this judgment and all this stuff. And you can start to, you know, and then, you know, we can all sort of develop this weird like knee jerk training Um you know, and over these years with TV and actual violence in the streets and drug, you know, all this shit. Um, and I, you know, so, I mean, I think it's like an inhuman pragmatism. Uh, and then, you know, possibly, yes, also like some racist too, you know, uh, you know, fucking just sprinkled on, seasoned that fucking horrific uh, concoction, you know, with a little bit of racism too. But, uh, you know, I, to me, the, the important thing is just to walk away from, you know, from, from that, you know, understanding that the, the, I mean, you got to really ask yourself, do you believe that African-Americans are genetically like more violent? Uh, I definitely don't. I don't think that I think there's like zero scientific research to back up that claim. So, you know, if that's the case, then you got to look to culture and society you know, in government or whatever, like just the whole thing, like the, how 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 their situation has come to be. And I mean, I I just I think that, uh, man, you know, I I actually had some past statistics, and I, it's it's quite there. There are some really interesting statistics that, in many ways, the modern African American has it worse than ever. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, I'm post-slavery. Obviously not slavery. Slavery is the absolute worst. Um, But, you know, and and I think that it shows, and it's not just like a lesson just for about racism or African-Americans. I think it's just, it's it's a, a real... Uh, illustration of the importance of families, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not like a cult, you know, I think that, so you have your social justice warriors on the left, and then you have your like, I don't, I don't know what you call them on the other side, um, but, you know, you're like Christian, you know, family uh, paladins or whatever on the right, and I, you know, I'm, 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 I've never like sort of aligned myself with that side either. Um, but I do think that there is, you know, I think that it's like very, very fundamental, you know, in human nature to like have parents and have two of them and have them there for a while, you know, um, you know, I, in my own life, you know, my father died when I was a young, a uh, young child when I was four years old. You know, in a lot of ways that they, I'm still uh, paying like a psychic cost for that. 
a psychological cost, like an emotional cost. And I, you know, I think that there is an inherent sense of unsafeness to me or something or, or distrust that is so deeply rooted in me um, because it comes from way back then. And, you know, I think that children don't necessarily have the, you know, they they don't have the emotional machinery yet to like deal with a big loss. And when it happens, when they're still sort of forming them, Selves as a person, you know, it has some pretty, pretty big effects. Uh, so this is like a uh, mega tangent, but I, you know, I don't know, this is where my head goes. Like to me, it's hard to really separate any of this from this kneeling NFL player thing. To me, I, I just see it all together. You know, it's all part of the same thing. Like, you can't really separate one out. You know, they're kneeling because the police are are killing, you know, on average, far more black people, you know, than white people. And, you know, I think that, you know, a reasonable thing to then say, you know, you start to wonder why. I mean, clearly they're racist is a possibility. But then... Black, uh, black, particularly young black men are committing, you know, an inordinate amount of the homicides in the United States. So then you look at that and then then you say, well, do I believe that African-American men are just genetically like more violent than other races? And. You know, I would hope that your answer is no, uh, unless, you know, you're making up your own research. So then you're, you know, left to wonder why. And you look at things like, man, you know, the destruction of the African-American family and why is that? And, you know, the the rates of, of drug addiction and, you know, and just, I mean travel around the, like, you know, poor parts of the inner city, you know, or live, you know, I don't know if you're, maybe you live in them, maybe, you know, you know, from firsthand experience, but I mean, it's, the places look a bit different than some white suburb, right? You know, where most of the white people live. And, uh, I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's an accident. You know, I think it, uh, it keeps us divided you know, it keeps people that the people that should be on the same side fighting, you know, and that's what I really, you know, I see this left right paradigm. That's like I said, like this kneeling NFL thing is so fucking stupid, you know, uh, and it's just like this left right once again, left right paradigm, you know, and, um, you know, you got Trump talking stupid shit about it and. You know, anybody that's like, I guess, like a Trump supporter or most of them, you know, then they just parrot that stuff. Hey, it's fine, man. I, I still I remember back in the uh, I mean, so my problem. All right. So that, that I mean, my problem with the Black Lives Matter and, and all this stuff is that I feel like it's it's focusing on a symptom and not the like real 
problem. And that's what we see, you know, time and time again, libertarians see that, you know, if you're, you know, whenever it's anything related to, you know, economy or whatever, everybody stop. you know, what, what was it? Oh, the predatory lending, you know, with 2008 or the, um, I don't know, they removed some Dodd-Frank or some regulation or, you know, whatever it was. But, it, you know, the, anal like, the mainstream analysis never goes to the Federal Reserve. That's the problem. I remember a friend of mine, you know, he was really involved um, after he was really involved in the Occupy movement in Atlanta. And then he sort of, it, it, it kind of, spawned this other thing called Occupy Homes, and they were helping people with, like, evictions and stuff, and it was pretty cool, actually, you know, um, but they were really opposed, you know, to the banks, and they were protesting, but they would always go protest at, like, Bank of America, you know, outside of their, you know, main office, or they have some big skyscraper, you know, some shit like that, and it was just like, buddy, like, we have one of the branches of the Federal Reserve in Atlanta. Like, we don't, you don't have to go anywhere. You know, I've been out there. I protested out in front of the Federal Reserve in Atlanta back when all the bailout shit. Um, not that wasn't, you know, it was the Treasury Department uh, that was actually did that TARP thing or whatever. But behind the scenes, right, fucking the Federal Reserve bailed out people on the order of trillions of dollars, way, way more than the TARP bailout bill was. And that shit doesn't get voted on, doesn't get talked about, you know. So just like this, you know, whether it's a war on drugs or the wealth, I, I mean, the welfare state gets a little bit of press, you know, and I, I, I mean, I do think that some, there is some popular understanding some mainstream understanding by some people of the ill effects. But I do think, like, the loudest voices that are opposing welfare are calling people on welfare lazy, you know? And, like, it's just this big negative thing. And it's like, no, nah, man, like, these people are the fucking victims here. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't lazy people in the world, uh, you know, and or, or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. But that's not, like, what's happening. Like, there were a lot, you know, like, what did, like, the number of lazy people just multiply or something just happen to coincide with the invention of, like, the welfare state in the United States? Also, just the genetic lottery started going bing, 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 bing and creating all these fucking lazy people. No, man, like the fucking welfare state creates them, you know, they're the victims of it. It fucking like saps their like drive and puts them into this vicious cycle. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what I have to say about the uh, kneeling at the NFL games. I always think of to me, I always think of that Olympics thing where there's runners, uh, the three U.S. Uh, runners on the podium had the black gloves and their fists in the air. Also, that was like super cool. Uh, it's just like one of the cooler images. And um, I don't know. So I don't know. Fucking kneel all you want, man. I think it's ridiculous to to be opposed uh, to these guys kneeling down. And the fact that it's like, you know, news at all. There's some other news about. Um, 
it's kind of crazy. So, the, I mean, the most recent thing is judge releases suspects accused of abusing and training children to carry out school shootings. And um, in a shocking turn of events, the five accused child abuse suspects arrested last week for allegedly training children to carry out school shootings were released by a New Mexico judge despite frightening evidence against them. So this is, uh, I'm actually reading something pretty pretty off the wall here. This is the Free Thought Project, but I thought it was kind of funny. It's a good example of like, um, you know, uh, the uh, the other side, right? I mean, Free Thought Project's going to definitely post some like conspiracy theory stuff that I might be into. Um, but this is like purposefully deceiving. They're not they aren't, these people aren't being let off. They were let out on bail, you know? And, I mean, whether or not that was, like, a good idea, I don't know. But they're definitely not, like, free. They have fucking ankle bracelets on, and they have a court data. I mean, one of these kids was dead. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they... They're making it out to be this whole, like, oh, the media is, like, afraid to talk about Muslims. Um... I don't know, man. But I did want to mention it, that there was some kind of crazy encampment or something in, I guess, New Mexico. And there was uh, two men and three women. Um, they were all Muslim. Uh, and they're supposedly training the children to do school shootings. Um, but then they were also apparently starving the kids. And one of them died. So I, I don't really know what the end game there is, I would think you would want really strong, healthy kids uh, to do the school shootings. Um, I'm not saying that's not true, but, you know, it doesn't sound like there's, like, super strong evidence for it. Uh, there's definitely evidence for, like, child neglect, possibly child abuse, um, but not sure about, you know, what they're talking about. And uh, so those are... I not look at CNN. I may not. So... Something I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna talk about today. But uh, this democratic wave is growing. The only questions are how big and who gets swept away this November. I'm not saying there's not gonna be a democratic, you know, big democratic wave, and maybe even they gain control of the House or the Senate or both. Um, I might be likely. I don't know. Well, two things I'll say. One is. This is normal operating procedure. When a Democrat gets elected, generally the midterm elections see a huge swing to the Republican side and vice versa, which is what the expectation is now. And apparently the last time that this didn't happen was when Bush, uh, George W. Bush was elected and after his first term, but that was also sort of on the heels of uh, 9-11 and then us going into the Af Afghanistan and possibly Iraq. Um, so it was a little bit, you know, a little bit different, you know, right now that no there's nothing like, you know, really huge that has happened during Trump's presidency. So that's one thing is that, you know, they want to make, they're going to try to make it out to be like, oh, this is this big new thing. And then everybody's got to think that something new is happening. You know, nothing, this is not, this is not new. The crazy thing would be is if it didn't happen. That would be the surprise. That would be the unexpected thing. And that would be really bad uh, for the Democrats. So the second thing I wanted to say was just remember going into the elections 
everybody was calling it for Hillary, you know? Uh, I mean, it was like a shoe-in, and she fucking lost. So, you know, um, I think that they try to, like, pump this stuff up. I mean, I, you know. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see who our new rulers are going to be. I don't know if there's any... um, Interesting that it's not about Trump. Most of CNN today is not about Trump. For the first time since I've been doing this podcast, 16 episodes, and they're not about Trump. Now, obviously, they're all about Democrats, and it's still Democrat propaganda, but at least it's, you know, a notch back from from, from Trump. And I do, um, since the last episode, because I delved so much into CNN and did the Wayback Machine, I've talked to a lot of people about that since then, and it has made me kind of feel like I should look a little bit more at Fox News because I feel like just by the just by the fact of me not talking about it almost sort of makes it seem like I don't think that it's as shitty or something as CNN. And it possibly isn't right now. You know, that's like another thing, right? It's easy. It's easier to sort of be a more normal news organization when your party that you back has the presidency and control of all of Congress, uh, which is the current situation for the Republicans. Uh, so there's some stuff about a Manafort, uh, courtroom drama. Man, I don't care. Trump fires back at Cuomo's shocking claim America was never great. Who cares? Uh, this, oh, this Amoroso chick. I uh, listened to the tapes. This was, uh, I listened to the tapes on Jason Stapleton's podcast. He played them. And um, I was thinking the whole time, he's been doing a lot of this, like, really detailed breakdown of stuff like that. And just, like, who gives a shit? Who fucking cares? He's, like, going into the details of, like, oh, well, you know, uh You know, she didn't ask any questions, so maybe she knew something or, you know, how all these different weird things about it. It's like, it's not weird, man. It's just like a bunch of pieces of shit doing what pieces of shit do. They're all pieces of shit. Who cares? You know? Who fucking cares? I I don't know. I really didn't get. I really didn't get why Stapleton took so much of his podcast to talk about that. Um, I am going to, I am going to wrap up today uh, a bit earlier. I've been doing more like hour and a half to two hour podcast. I think we're just right around an hour now. Uh, I think the last, the last thing I wanted to do was just go over some antiwar.com stuff because there's some, some, uh, some news, and, you know, not normally good when it's on antiwar.com. So the top story right now is Taliban overrun another base, killing 45 troops. This is in Afghanistan. For the second time this week, Taliban insurgents attacked and overran an Afghan army base in the country's north, this time in the 
Baglan province. The offensive lasted about five hours and left the Taliban in control of the military base and a police checkpoint. Starting before dawn, Taliban fighters quickly overwhelmed the police checkpoint, killing nine police, then moved on to the army base. They got the base in and Baglan uh, e Markazi district and took that as well, killing another 36 troops. Uh, the Baglan governor, Abdul Hai Namati, says that reinforcements have been sent to try and recapture the area. Checkpoints in the area were fully set on fire by the Taliban. However, so not everything can be recovered. Whether reinforcements are being sent beyond the uh, provincial level is unclear, but unlikely. Afghan army reinforcements were sent to get uh, Ghazni already. An even bigger military base was overrun earlier this week in Faryab, F-A-R-Y-A-B, with no reinforcements in sight. So somehow Taliban's picking up steam uh, and killing a bunch of people. Uh, in what I believe is the longest war in American history. Uh, but it's interesting, there's no mention of the United States or their troops. <clears throat> and admittedly, I don't understand what's going on there. Um, suicide bombing kills 48 students in the Afghan capital. Woof. Fighting rages in Gaza and the Afghans claim most of the city is recovered. So we got a lot going down in Afghanistan. The Taliban have apparently really, really uh, turned some tide recently and been doing some, some damage. So the next headline is Trump to ignore multiple NDA prov uh, provisions. In a 15-page signing statement issued Monday night, President Trump revealed that he intends to ignore many of the myriad provisions of the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, the $716 billion military spending bill. The signing statement singles out several provisions which Trump argues would restrict control in ways he believes are needed for quote-unquote military missions and inconsistent with his quote-unquote constitutional authority as commander-in-chief. Trump suggested that he'd ignore all the limitations placed on the Yemen war and objected to providing an assessment on war crimes to Congress saying it violates executive privilege. No quotes there. In general, Trump objected to all NDA provisions demanding more information on civilian casualties inflicted overseas, saying he believes Congress is trying to make the military share too much information. <clears throat> and it goes on and goes on, and it's shitty the whole way through the article. So that's great. Um, and this is why, you know... This is the, the stuff that I, you know, is really like a mixed bag, you know, with Trump. And again, you know, we can talk about the, the North Korea thing is nice. What comes of it is unsure. Uh, at least some communication with Putin and stuff is nice. What comes of it, unsure. 
You know, the fact that we're largely, you know, backing out of Syria, that's good. But then you have things like Afghanistan, which is worse. Uh, Yemen, he is obviously, you know, wholly committed to keeping that fucking genocide going. Um, and, you know, I could also believe that, like, hey, you got to kind of pick your poison. Like, if he pulled, like, a Ron Paul move and just tried to pull out of every single war immediately, you know, maybe he just gets assassinated. I mean, maybe you just lose all your allies. But in this way, maybe he's sort of picking and choosing some ways to unravel. Or maybe he doesn't give a fuck at all. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's possible. Uh, battle between Yemen pro-government faction kills 18. The central Yemeni city of Taiz is usually at the middle of fighting between the Saudi-backed invasion forces from the south and the rebel Houthis in the north with control of the nation's main highway up for grab. Over the past two days, however, it's been two Saudi-backed forces fighting one another. Fighters loyal to Vice President Omar have been fighting with pro-government militia based in Taiz since Sunday. At least 18 fighters have been killed between the two sides, and officials say they weren't fully clear why the two groups are fighting. <laughs> Interesting. So the Saudi troops are fighting each other in Yemen. Uh, five more were killed. Bombers return to Satter's Sadr City, five are killed in Iraq. Um, seems to be most of the top uh, stories. There was this uh, Russian regrets U.S. suspending Open Skies Treaty. Uh, and I did not, I saw something about this earlier as well, and I didn't really read about it. So let's see. A little discussed, okay, this is about this NDAA. A little discussed portion of the NDAA, uh, also, uh, so a little discussed portion of the NDAA um, defunds U.S. participation in Open Skies Treaty. The move was presented as a way to punish Russia. Effective since 2002, the Open Skies Treaty has 34 participants. Treaty allows nations to carry out unarmed surveillance flights over one another's nations, theoretically to build confidence that none of them are secretly building up military forces. Russian Deputy something FM Sergei Ryabkov issued a statement of regret on Tuesday over the U.S. suspension of the treaty. Russian MPs suggest this was a prelude to a new arms race and would lead to the U.S. arms Build up that dishonoring the treaty is meant to hide. The language in the NDA demands an assessment of what Russian surveillance flights over the U.S. are for and claims such flights could expose, expose certain American counterintelligence vulnerabilities. So it's a 16-year-old treaty, dates back to George W. Bush, has 34 countries in it, and I guess we just put the kibosh on it, uh, where this treaty allowed 
all these different countries to fly fly spy missions over each other. It's a really weird treaty. Uh, I admit, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I like, you know, peaceful agreements, but agreeing to allow spy planes to fly over my house from 33 other countries, I don't know if I'm with that. Um, but I definitely could be wrong there. So, I think that's where we'll leave it today. Um, I, uh, I'm definitely going to try, uh, well, this weekend, I will certainly be recording a podcast. So, today's Wednesday. So, you're going to have another episode three or four days. That was another reason I want to try to keep it shorter. And I'd love to get back to doing two or even three a week. Um, not sure if that's really in the cards. I think I should really focus on at least getting back to uh, once a week. So that's where we're at in the world today, according to Pat Bradley. Uh, NFL players are still kneeling. The right hates it. The left loves it. Uh, there's a Muslim camp or some extremist Muslim, I mean, a camp, it's two people. And uh, interestingly, they go, the kids are from Atlanta, who are taken from Atlanta, uh, which is where I live and I'm broadcasting from. Uh, and the Alex Jones stuff, he's still off of all the, you know, major sites, uh, social media sites, except for Twitter, he's still there. And uh, I forgot to say this, but his app, his news app, uh, his app is considered a news app, the uh uh, Infowars official uh, on the on the uh, iTunes like app sites or whatever. It went from something like in the 30s on the news to like as high as number three. It was only behind like Google News and um, some other like news aggregator thing that I guess is extremely popular on iOS. I never I never even heard of it. But every other news site like CNN's app, Fox News's app. Anything, you know, all were below uh, the InfoWars app. So that's pretty, pretty crazy um, to, show, to see, like, the effect that it had. You know, I, I wondered if, if, like, at the end of all this, if it actually works out in uh, InfoWars' favor to get banned, get all this press, and to get people to, like, actually using their direct, you know, apps and stuff. Um, I don't know. Interesting. But anyway, and, um, and then the last thing, so what I started with is Aretha Franklin in hospice, uh, not looking very, very good at all. She will probably be passing away, uh, soon. And, uh, certainly the world will be losing a great, great singer. Uh, that's all I got. I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.